Welcome, you're listening to RUF at the University of Oklahoma. Hey guys. Um, so I'm be reading today from uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 46. We could pull it up there. Oh, ahead of me. All right, let me read it for us. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Let me pray to open us up here. Dear Lord, thank you for your words and for your scripture you've given us so that we can know you. Um, Just thank you for everyone in this room for bringing them here. And please give me the words uh, to say tonight that will be your words and not my own. And just allow us to have a great rest of the night. Amen. Alright, how many of you have heard these parables before? Any of you? Half of you? Most of you? Okay. Well, do I need me to preach then? Y'all got this? No? Um, what I want to talk about tonight in light of these stories, these two little parables here that go together, is... Have we, all of you, eye contact with all of you, have we, you and me, ever cared about anything as much as these two guys care about something? So we'll, I'll break down the uh, scriptures we'll put real quick and we'll look at that. There's two mini parables here, like I said. And the first one involves a man accidentally discovering some hidden treasure in a field. Right? He buries the treasure and then excitedly sells everything he owns so that he will have enough money to buy this land where he buried the treasure so that he can have the treasure he found. And the second parable involves a man who is on the hunt for some valuable pearls. He ends up finding one incredible pearl and he sells all that he has so he's able to purchase this one pearl. It's more important to him than anything else he owns. So he sells everything he has. So something kind of like this actually happened. Like I said, these are parables. So these are just stories that Jesus told. Something kind of like this actually happened. It's a story about a rock collector named Roy. So I'm really going to connect with all of you, relate to all of you on this one, all you rock collectors in the crowd. Um, Roy, I don't know his last name, but he went to a rock show. Um, not like a rock show, rock show, but a rock show <laughs> where you view and purchase rocks. Um, he went with only ten dollars. This was in the news. This is real again. He went with only ten dollars and saw this big rock listed at fifteen dollars, and he asked the man behind the table, "So that rock's only fifteen dollars?" And the guy said, "Well, I'll give it to you for ten bucks, and that's all you have. And it's like uglier than my other ones. It's not as valuable as these other rocks." So Roy, a rock collecting friend, purchased the rock, walked outside, and just about burst with excitement because. He had just purchased the largest known star sapphire in the world, and he knew that. This rock was valued at $2.5 million uncut and $10 million if it was cut. Despite my lack of rock knowledge, I think he made a wise investment. You see the similarities, maybe? Um, so these parables, these two parables also... Uh, also, made me think of nearly every like rom-com or romantic plot in existence where boy sees girl, boy loves girl. 
boy pursues girl with everything he's got. Specifically reminds me of one of my favorite romantic plots, Wally. Any of you have seen it? Why are you laughing? That's kind of a sad movie. Um, so if you haven't seen Wally, I'll kind of catch you up real quick. It's about a little robot in the future who is tasked with cleaning up trash on Earth like all these other little robots just like him. But the only problem is 700 years have passed and he's the last living thing, active robot on Earth outside of his pet cockroach. Through his time of picking up trash all day by himself, he begins to kind of develop a personality because he's so lonely. You can kind of see this in the movie. He seems incredibly lonely. And then everything changes when Eve, a robot from space, enters the scene. You may know her as Eva. <laughs> she is shiny and completely different from anything else Wally's ever seen because he's used to dirty, dusty earth. And he is immediately in robot love and will follow her to the ends of the earth. He pursues Eve even after she shoots lasers at him. She ends up shutting down at one point in the movie, and he still takes care of her every day while she's incapacitated until she wakes up again. And he actually leaves everything he has ever known and jumps on a spaceship in order to follow her and stay with her. He does this because he's never seen anything more valuable to him than her. Uh, many romantic movies, as you may know, follow this uh, similar plot. We can relate in some capacity, whether it's like a guy or a girl or family or money or success. We all find things in our life that we're willing to sacrifice everything else for. Things that we like place above all other things, right? I'm sure many of you have placed things in your life above other things. I know I have. The difference between the things that we pursue... And the hidden treasure or pearl that Jesus talks about in this story is that whatever Jesus is talking about, this hidden treasure, this valuable pearl, whatever this is, it seems to be worthy of forsaking your entire life for, unlike the things that we find. So something else I want you to pick up on here is in verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I don't know about you, but even if I found like the most valuable rock in the world, like Roy, like if I saw a rock and I was like, that's it, that's so valuable, it's $10 million, I would probably still be like really worthy, worried about whether this is actually like a wise investment. Um, he only had to spend $10, but if he had to sell everything he had to buy this rock, I would still be pretty nervous. I think you would too. Like what if no one's interested in this rock anymore, like after I buy it? What if the value of this rock decreases right after I purchase it, like a used car or something? I don't know. What if it's not the rock I think it is? What if I like, misidentified it and I've just messed up everything? I'm always afraid of commitment or big risks. I'm sure many of you are like this. However, this man, treasure guy, he, it says that in his joy, he sells everything he has. He wasn't scared of possibly losing it. He's excited to sell everything that he has for this treasure. Now, how often, I want to ask you all, how often do we do anything in our life out of joy, really? Particularly anything that involves, like, our faith. I want you all to think about that. Um, how often do we do anything in our life out of joy? So I'm going to open up with you guys a bit here and talk about 
my biggest motivator in life. Marianne can attest to this. It's definitely not joy. It's guilt. Uh, it's likely true for many of you, but it's definitely true for me. You can ask her. So many problems in our relationship can be traced back to the fact that I'm motivated by guilt. I don't like saying this, but it's very true. I can only say it because she's pointed out to me a hundred times. I constantly do good things for her. Well, occasionally do the good things for her. <laughs> but I only do them, or I almost always do them because I feel like I need to, or like I need to be a good husband, or like she deserves this. Like I need to do something for her, and like I'll be a bad husband if I don't like clean the house today or do this for her. I don't always do them because I want to make her happy simply because like I enjoy serving her. It's because I feel like I need to out of being her husband. Another example that many of you can relate to, let's say one of you guys, or actually hopefully you can relate to this. Let's say one of you guys are going through something difficult in your life and you just wanted to like talk to me or talk to Justin. I'll throw him in this boat with me so that I'm not alone. Let's say you wanted to talk to one of us and you approached us and you said like, hey, can we meet up and grab coffee sometime? Like you're going through something really tough. And hopefully, again, neither of us would do this, but I'd be like, oh, of course, yeah, that's great. And then I never take time to get coffee with you. Like, maybe I got busy, and I just forgot that we, like, talked about that. And then weeks later, let's say, in this, this isn't a true story that I know of, hypothetical. Weeks later, I hear about this terrible thing that you were struggling with, or this really hard thing that happened in your life. And then you approach me, or Justin, and say, hey, I really, like, needed some help in this. Like, I really wanted help. But you didn't take the time to, like, talk to me about that. And that really sucks. That would crush me. And I think Justin would be pretty crushed, too. Um, right? Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I feel terrible for not having been there for you or caring for you in that. But honestly, this is really sad, but I also feel terrible simply because I feel guilty and I feel guilty because meeting with you is kind of like my job. It's kind of what I'm here for. And I failed at my job, if that's the case. And how selfish is that? That even in like something you've gone through that's really traumatic or bad, that I still would feel bad because I feel bad for myself. And because I'm motivated by this guilt. And I feel bad. I say this is also true in the Christian life. So often I find myself saying, man, I have to read my Bible today because I haven't read it in weeks. Or like, I really need to go work at that Habitat for Humanity project because I really haven't thought about God much this week. Or, maybe I'll hit you with one of these. Maybe one of them will relate to you. I should offer help to this guy on the street who's like asking for money or needs help with something. After all, I've really struggled with like this sin this week. And if I'm really a Christian, I'll help this guy out, right? I don't want to be a bad Christian. Or, alright, I'll go to REF this week. So Justin will just leave me alone. Or... Yeah, I'll offer to like, help lead that small group with REF because I really haven't done much for others in the past year. So like, I need to do this to, in order to be like a better person. So many things that you do and things that I do in the name of Jesus isn't because we love him or value him. It's because we feel like we're a bad Christian and we need to do these things or we have to do these things and like I have to earn his love. Um, if I'm a good Christian, I'll do this thing. And I've got to make up for all those times I skipped church or skipped RUF. Like, I have to do, like, maybe I have to, like, offer to help Justin with something because I feel bad because I've been RUF in a couple weeks. 
So I need him to think like I'm good and Jesus to think I'm good. So what this guy in verse 44 is doing, he does enjoy. Not because it's a wise investment to sell all that he owns for this treasure. It doesn't say that. Not because he would be stupid not to purchase the treasure. But he does it in joy, not out of guilt. He's happy. He's happy to sell all he has for this one piece of treasure. Like I said, I can't imagine, even if I knew something really valuable, I can't imagine being like, I'll just go sell all my stuff. This will be a really easy, fun time. Sounds really stressful. So when I was talking to Justin about this sermon today, he made a good point, and he said, um, guilt falls short of joy because guilt isn't a worthy motivator. No one is a good worker who's simply trying to like not get fired. Like For example, for you guys, if you're here at OU, Let's say you came to college and you're like, great, I'm at college. Now, I'm just going to do everything I can. I just have to stay here and not get kicked out. As long as they don't kick me out, like, I'm good. Do you think you're going to make very good grades? Maybe? No? I guarantee you won't. I'll just go on a limb there. Uh, But if you're here and you're, like, really excited about college and, like, the things they'll prepare you for and maybe the potential career... And just because you want to do well in classes, it's a very good chance you're going to make pretty good grades. Versus the person who's just trying to like escape by and not get kicked out of college. So I constantly find that I don't care about anything as much as I should. I don't care about Marianne as much as I should. I don't care about RUF as much as I should. It's my job that's bad. I don't care about you guys as much as I should. Like, I don't, like, text you guys or, like, hang out with you guys as much as I should. Tyler's sweet, dude. I'm motivated by guilt. I just told you that. Come on. Um, And I certainly don't care about Jesus as much as I should. So what hope is there for me and for you guys who don't care about things as much as you should and care about yourself a lot more? Maybe there's hope in that eventually I'll naturally grow to just care about everything as much as I should. Like maybe I'm just slowly becoming a better person and I'll like be fully realized, like live and learn. So maybe there's hope that if I just learn a little more, like I read a few more self-help books and become a better person and get more organized, then I'll be like a better, great person and care about everyone well. Or maybe there's hope for me that my weak efforts like all the little things all my little trying like eventually add up and balance itself out and be good enough right or maybe in response to what hope is there for me and for you maybe it's that in Jesus in Christ my hope is not found in me or my efforts or what I do So Jesus died on the cross, many of you have heard that, for all the times when you don't care as much as you should about him or about anyone else, because he knows that you and I will never, on this side of heaven, will never perfectly do everything that we ought to do. We just won't. Like, you won't. You're going to keep trying, and that's great, but you're not going to be able to perfectly do everything you should. The reason Jesus' death on the cross is so important is because he died knowing that I would never be able to repay him for dying on the cross. And that we, even adding up all that we've done, would never be able to repay him for what he's done. 
And he knows that we won't be able to, and that that is okay, that we can't repay him. We often read parables like these, and imagine ourselves, we, put our, we always put ourselves in stories, whether it's just fictional stories or the Bible, we always like put ourselves like you, I know like especially when I was younger, and I still do it today sometimes, like you'll read a story about Jesus, and you just like put yourself in Jesus' shoes, like what am I doing, like what? Like instead of like the bad guys, I'm like, oh, I'm like Jesus, and I need to just be good and perfect. Um, I would never, I can't believe those Pharisees, oh, they're so bad. We often read parables like this, and we imagine ourselves as the man in these parables, these parables, finding the treasure or the merchant who gives up all he has for Jesus. We think that that's us. And we think, wow, like I'm such a martyr for being a Christian. Like I've given up so much to be a Christian, just like these guys. I'm selling all I have for Jesus. Like I chose not to get drunk with my friends the other night, and I chose not to cheat on that test. Like, wow, like I've done so much. In reality, we're often the rock seller in the story of Roy, if we go back there. We only care about the shinier or prettier stones or rocks, the things that catch our attention more. We miss the extremely valuable and oftentimes seemingly boring-looking rock right in front of us. We don't see the value of Christ, and we often only pursue him out of our guilt, not out of joy. Like this guy, like verse 44, 44 guy. So, what I'd say the primary difference between these two parables is, I don't know if you caught it, uh, these two treasure finders, is that the first man is not looking for treasure. Do you catch that? A man just finds treasure and covers it up. Like he's just in a field, presumably digging, and finds treasure. He's not searching for treasure. And the second guy, the merchant, he is in search of fine pearls. Isn't that strange that like, Jesus would make that distinction, that the first guy was not looking, and the second guy was looking, but they both found it. So when we take a look at this in our lives, it's pretty obvious. People will find treasure if God wants them to. Or people will find God if God wants them to. He doesn't care if you're searching, or if you're like not looking, or if you are looking in his timing, he will act. And there's nothing you can do about it. Sorry. Sorry. So why does this matter to us? Why does all this, the finding value in Christ and being motivated by joy and guilt and the fact that God works on his timing, doesn't matter if we're searching or not, why does this matter to us, friends? And like, what does this mean to us? I'd say it means to rest the main thing I would say it means to rest rest in the blood of Jesus on the cross rest in the fact that you're incapable you're not capable of making up for all of your sins you can't do it stop trying rest in the fact that Jesus has already made up for all of your sins you don't have to try it's already done and then if you rest in those things maybe just maybe for your rest in him and your reflection on this you'll end up actually giving up your life for him and maybe just maybe joyfully doing it let's pray dear lord again thank you for your word and that we can read it together and we can open it and that we live in a place where that's okay we can even do it on a college campus how crazy is that um 
and that you have brought us together to hear and to worship and to just enjoy one another's company. And let's have a great rest of the week and just to think about these things and just to truly rest in you in all of these times when we're trying so hard to just do it ourselves. Um, in your name I pray, amen. Alright, so this is kind of a weird transition. Got one more song. I'm going to not use this to sing because I'd be in a boy band. <laughs> Y'all stand up. <laughs>